Is Simcha's Torah a holiday for all of us, or is it really just a holiday for people who've been learning Torah all year long? And what exactly do we intend when we say the Brocha Shehechiyonu over Simcha's Torah? It surely is just the end of an existing Yomtev. So the time for us to Yomtev HaAcharoin, the reason why the final Yomtev, the Tzvei Tetog from Shemini Atzeres, which is the second day of Shemini Atzeres, Vert Ongeru from Simcha's Torah, why do we call that day Simcha's Torah? Zokter Ramo, the famous source of all Ashkenazic halacha, says that the fishes mechin, it's a day that we celebrate, and we have meals, beautiful banquet style meals, to, to celebrate the fact that we have concluded the annual reading and study of Torah. So we've discussed numerous times, says the Rebbe, that any time that something is established by Torah to have a particular name, even though you could say, well, the name is because of a particular cause. The name was given because of this particular cause or that particular action. What we know for sure is within Torah, the name illustrates and alludes to whatever that particular item, or in this case, occasion is, that the name represents. Especially when you consider what we know in Torah as as the Alter says, the name that is attributed in the holy tongue of Hebrew is the Chayus Fundim Nivra. It's not just a label, but it is the energizing force of that particular element. So there's no question then that whatever that particular element, or in this case, occasion, is all about, is represented in the name. So therefore, from them is verstanden in your name. We can understand in our context. Now, what's the simplest reason why it's called Simchas Torah? Like the Ramos said, it's because we're celebrating the conclusion of studying Torah for another year. But it's deeper than that. We bald over as the nomen is nikpa givoren efen gansen mesles, seeing as the name Simchas Torah applies to the full 24-hour period of the holiday. Not just the time when we're completing the Torah or celebrating its completion. It must therefore represent that Simchas Torah describes and illustrates everything about the entire day, not only the specific time that is associated with learning. And beyond that, Nochmer, from them, Gufovos, Gemorosh Torah in them talk, the very fact that we conclude the reading of the Torah annually. On that date is Muchochas the Tog Hot Vesma Shaiches Tzudas Simchat Gemara Shatayra. The fact that this is the date that was chosen to be the day that we conclude and therefore celebrate the completion of the Torah must be because this date is somehow intrinsically related to the concept of completing the Torah, and we have to explore how. So, in, in order to do that, we're first going to look at something that the Friedrich Rebbe said. The Mitzvah movement was Chakmeich Admur Hot Gizok. There's a Sikha from the Friedrich Rebbe, 1945 or 1944, where the Friedrich Rebbe says, "As the Brach is not nor oifen yomtiv." That when we say Shechiyonu in the Kiddush or the candle lighting of Simchas Torah, it's not just a Shechiyonu that we've arrived at the date of Simchas Torah. No oich oif Torah. The Friedrich Rebbe says it's Shechiyonu over the Torah. We're saying a Shechiyonu for the Torah. Now, logically, you would think the reason we're saying Shechiyonu is because it's a, it's a Yomtev. Which Yomtev? The second day of the Shemini Atzeres Yomtev. But as we've already, already pointed out, the name is highly significant. The fact that we're saying Shechiyonu over a date that has its own independent name, Simchas Torah, not Shemini Atzeres, day two. 
which is completely different to any other second day of Yom Tov outside of Eretz Yisrael, which don't usually have their own independent name. Even the final day of Pesach, which is technically the second day outside of Israel of Shvishal Pesach, which is called the last day of Pesach, is doch der Nomen is Pesach. The name illustrates clearly that the theme and the content is still Pesach. It's just it's the completion, the, 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 the end of Pesach. Whereas the last day of Simchas Torah, the name has no association with Shemini Therefore, whatever the particular content may be of the fact that this is the second day of Yontem, because we're outside of Eretz Yisrael, the fact is it's called Simchas Torah to highlight for us, that this date is all about the celebration of Torah, and therefore the Shechianu is a Shechianu over Torah, and therefore we have a few questions. First of all, if there is any reason at any time during the year to say the Bracha Shechianu over the Torah, why now? Why Simchas Torah when we celebrate the conclusion of the Torah? Nochmer, furthermore, it's actually difficult to say that there should be a Shechionu on Simchas Torah that is for the Torah. Because the Simcha in them Togi is the Gemara Shal Torah. What are we celebrating on Simchas Torah? We're celebrating the conclusion of a cycle of Torah learning. Shechionu is a brochure you always say over something new. So how does that add up? It's the day of completing the Torah. And now you're telling me that it's the day you say Shechionu, which indicates something new. So if anything, if we were going to say Shechionu on the state of Simchas Torah, we should be saying Shechionu not Ligmora for the conclusion of Torah, but rather for the fact we're about to start the Torah again afresh when we do Bereshis. Okay, so the pastor's Vortman maybe one way to try to answer this would be as the Brocha Shechionu dois taka nit farbunna mitetum kriyas vilimadat Torah. Maybe we'll say, okay, you're right, the Shechionu is not a Shechionu over the actual study of Torah itself. Maybe it's a Shechionu that we say because we now have a new kind of Simcha, a new experience of joy over the fact we have now concluded the Torah again. So we are the ones who have arrived at a new celebration for ourselves. In the laws of Brochus, that any time a person experiences a personal simcha, he should say shechiyonu. So maybe that's the answer. The fizevet toys come as the bircha shechiyonu is nitef teira. Now if the simcha from Gemara shal teira, that would then indicate that the bircha is not over the teira. The bircha is over my simcha, and that's a problem because Abu from Lashayin Chak Meichad Mur is mashmas the bircha is a kol ponim oif teira gufa. The Fidik Rebbe said we're making shechiyonu over the teira, not shechiyonu over our joy. So we're back to square one. Why are we making a bracha, Shechionu, over the Torah, specifically on Simchas Torah? And why do we connect it to the conclusion of the Torah? Logic would have said it should have been linked to the beginning of the new cycle of learning Torah. So Muslim and Zogan, therefore, we're going to have to conclude, as Agandi Simcha is Bashim Tal Gemara Shal Torah, that even though we officially consider the bracha and the Simcha about the conclusion of the Torah, 
Aber der Sinn von Torah ist der Mele gebunden mit The way we learn Torah is that as soon as you complete a cycle, it is automatically and naturally linked to the new cycle. That's how we learn Torah. As we finish, we say, Hadron Allah. We're coming back to learn again. As we roll up the Vazoyis HaBrocha Torah, we take out the Bereshis Torah. Because in Torah it is impossible to suggest that there is a conclusion time. Sorry, because immediately as soon as you finish learning Torah, is So straight away, as soon as you finish learning Torah, you immediately have the mitzvah to now learn Torah again. From the beginning. So you can't really have a conclusion where you sit back and say, Oh, Baruch Hashem, that's fantastic, we conclude. No, now it's back to work. That's how we do it on Simchas Torah. As soon as we conclude reading Vazoisa Brocha, we take out another Sefer Torah, we go right back to the beginning, and we start again from Bereshus. So now that we think about it, we realize that actually concluding the Torah becomes the catalyst and the cause for starting to learn the Torah again. Well, maybe that's the answer then, because we're completing the Torah, and therefore completing the Torah in a Jewish context means starting again. So that's where the Shechiana goes. The Shechiana tells us that as we finish, so we start the next one. Maybe that's a suggested answer. Says the Rebbe, it's actually a self-contradictory statement. Okay, so if our argument, our logical argument is that the requirement to learn Torah is all the time, 24-7, and that's actually what we do, we actually learn Torah every single day, and then therefore the Torah we just completed at Simchas Torah, we start again immediately. So what's so new about the new learning? I'm learning Torah every day. What's so special about the fact that I'm learning Torah today from the beginning? And if you're going to say it's because the Torah is so valuable to us and so dear to us, so how are we supposed to learn Torah? Every single day is supposed to be like it's new. And we don't suspect that people don't have the right intentions. We have to imagine that all of us, when we learn Torah, every single day it's with that fresh energy and commitment and excitement as if we're learning it afresh. So we should technically, by this argument, be saying every day. If the argument is because it's the beginning of learning Torah, well, every single day when I sit down to learn Torah, it's the beginning of learning Torah for that day. So there's got to be a deeper explanation. Is the beer The explanation is as follows: When we acknowledge that Torah is Hashem's infinite divine wisdom, for which reason it extends beyond the boundaries and parameters of both the land and the sea. In other words, the entire physical reality. Torah is ein soif. That means the Torah is absolutely infinite. You'll never begin to scratch the surface of learning Torah. So therefore, when we conclude a segment of Torah, and therefore once we've completed this segment, we now start to read and to learn it again afresh. Well, then we have, as the Zohar says, we have a requirement not just to learn, but to increase the learning. 
right? Not just to learn the same thing again, but to increase the depth or the insight or the time or the quantity that we learn. Which means that if now at Simchas Torah, and we're going to begin the Torah again, we dare not go back and read it as we learned it last year. We have to now begin to learn in a whole fresh way, a totally new approach. To the extent that the way we learn Torah this year should be exponentially beyond how we learned Torah last year. That's the great celebration of, of the learning uh, of the celebration of Simchas Torah. And that's why we're saying Shechion. Because once we've completed a cycle of Torah learning, we make a huge celebration because now we have completed one particular approach to learning Torah and therefore we say which is it's praise and, and gratitude to Hashem that we now have the opportunity to learn Torah again with a brand new perspective a whole new depth an exponentially different way of looking at Torah even though in order for us to learn Torah of course we have to employ the rational mind which of course has its limitations so you might ask is it real to suggest that I'm going to learn Torah and it's going to be exponentially beyond how I learned Torah last time around I'm a human with a brain and my brain only expands so much it's not, it doesn't have infinite capacity and the answer is yes. Vibaldobas Torah is safe. Despite the limitations of the human mind, the Torah itself is infinite. And therefore, Zainan Oichin Avonav Asagov and Torah Faran, Ifani Limud, Zel Amailam Izeh, Bisaif and Chodesh. Therefore, Torah offers us the opportunity to learn level beyond level, beyond level, to the extent of things that are completely brand new. To the extent that you can actually learn Torah in a way that is infinitely beyond how you ever learned that Torah before. And we have a great illustration of this. The Gemara tells us, The Gemara in Bob Metziah tells us about Rabbi Zeira, that what happened to Rabbi Zeira, after having lived for many years in Bovel, he came to Eretz Yisrael, he sat and fasted a hundred days. For what purpose? That he could forget the methodology of learning Talmud Bavli, that he shouldn't be distracted from learning the approach of Talmud Yerushalmi. And as Okena learned in Talmud Yerushalmi, that he could learn the Talmud Yerushalmi. Now, that's a strange story. It makes no sense. Why would he need to forget the Talmud Bavli? Because the rational mind, more information doesn't confuse you. No, it says, It actually allows you to understand things better next time around. Surely, isn't that how it works? That intellect is cumulative. So we learn more and it helps us have greater insight. So why on earth would Rabbi Zeri want to forget everything that he had learned over many decades in order now to approach Talmud Yerushalmi? So the answer is, when do we say that intellect is cumulative and the more you learn, the greater clarity you'll have next time around? That's if you're building relative understanding. So you build the building blocks of simple arithmetic and that helps you to be able to understand one day calculus. So 
they're all relative to each other and therefore every bit of information builds the opportunity for better understanding of the new information. But now you're talking about Rabbi Zera who wants to learn Talmud Yerushalmi. For Rabbi Zera to now approach Talmud Yerushalmi meant that he was about to engage in a methodology of Torah learning and an area of Torah learning that was infinitely beyond everything he had experienced until then. And we, even though we're talking about Rabbi Zeir, who learned Talmud Bavli at an incredibly high and deep level that we can't even begin to imagine. Still, still we know that we're, the, the description of Talmud Bavli is that it's like groping in the darkness because the nature of the learning of Talmud Bavli is very uh, involved in debate and kashius, etc., and whereas when you come to learn Talmud Yerushalmi, we're told that there is no Torah learning that is as profound as the Torah learning of Eretz Yisrael. That's why for the experience of Rabbi Zera, if he were to now try and apply the Talmud Bavli approach, which is so caught up in debate and questioning, to Talmud Yerushalmi, he actually wouldn't be able to learn Talmud Yerushalmi. So he had to delete those memory banks to be able to learn Talmud Yerushalmi. In other words, that illustrates to us that there is the concept of learning in a totally different way, at a whole new level, an exponential leap in learning, for which process you actually have to ignore everything that you've learned before. So that's what happens to us on Simchas Torah. We're invited to learn Torah in a completely new way to what we've ever seen before. And that's what the Sheikh Yonu speaks to. And that will help us to understand even better what we've started to discuss. We also help us to understand probably one of the greatest questions about Simchas Torah. Why are we celebrating the conclusion of the Torah at that time of the year and not on Shavuos when the Torah was originally given, which would have been the most logical time to complete the cycle and commit to a new cycle of learning. In Imzman Matan Torah, the time where the Torah was actually given. Why do we celebrate the conclusion of the Torah and start the new cycle at Shemini Atzeres? So the explanation is The positioning of Shemini Atzeres on the calendar is that it follows after Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur was the time where they got the second tablets after the whole debacle of the Egel Hazav and Moshe petitioning for Hashem to forgive them. They eventually got the second tablets on Yom Kippur. Why is that significant to Simchas Torah? Because unlike the first luchos that were presented to Jews who were pretty much committed to Hashem in a pristine way, now the second luchos were presented to Jews who had messed up royally and they had done a major tshuva. So they were in this category of balei tshuva, which is a very special place to be. To present the second luchos to Balei Tshuva is a cause for far greater simcha than it was to present the first luchos to perfect Jews, to Tzadikim. And that speaks to our discussion over here. Let's get into our conversation. After we've been through the fasting and the forgiveness that Yom Kippur offers us, we don't just come out on the other side. Oh, phew, we managed. We convinced Hashem to forgive us. We go through the Yom Kippur experience. We come out on the other side as a whole new entity, a whole new being. 
on the far venis badnach the mesaim de tera besimchas tera. Following that, that transformative experience, now we complete or conclude the cycle of Torah learning on simchas tera. The person is a new person, therefore they have the potential to have a whole new way of learning Torah. And that's very much like the story of the second Luchos, where there was this completely new experience and fundamentally different experience of, of Judaism that was now suddenly available to them. Torah that was now suddenly available to them. So that's exactly what's happening to us on Simchas Torah. New person, new opportunity, new dimension of Torah. And with that in mind, we'll understand why we dafka read Vezois HaBrocha on Simchas Torah. Not just because it's the last parasha. There's an intrinsic link between the content of Vezois HaBrocha and the theme of Simchas Torah. In Aschalas HaSed, Vezois Torah, beginning of Vezois HaBrocha, the Torah tells us, As they shot given to Torah Tzidin, in Anayifim from Torah Tziva Lonu Moishe. That how did Hashem present the Torah to us? That it was instructed to us through Moshe. Why is that relevant to our conversation? It's telling us that at the moment of Torah Tzivalonu Moshe, which is represented in Vezoi Sabrocha, that's when Moshe achieved the pinnacle of his experience of Torah learning. Where do we see that? Look what it says at the end of the parish. So there's almost like a little bit of a contradiction that's going to emerge over here. Look at the end of the parish. What does it say? Moshe went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Navoi, where he could see in Teretzisol, where he eventually passed away. That Arizal gives a beautiful explanation about what Har Navoi is all about. That there the Torah describes how Moshe finally accessed the 50th dimension of understanding. Nevoi, the name of the mountain, represents Nun, the, the 50th gate. Boy entered him. In other words, when the Gemara Shoshana tells us that there were 50 gates or 50 dimensions of understanding introduced to this world, of which Moshe was able to access 49, is Dos Menegedim he was only limited to the 49 gates until the time where he left this world. But just before Moshe Rabbeinu left this world, he also got to comprehend and understand and appreciate that fundamentally different 50th level of understanding. Which is infinitely beyond the preceding 49 levels of understanding. So what's that got to do with us? There's a miniature experience of what Moshe Rabbeinu had at the last day on uh, uh, at his last day on earth, where he was able now to capture Shar Hanun, this infinitely different perspective on Yiddishkeit on Torah. We have a glimpse of that every year on Simchas Torah. That's why we read this on Simchas Torah. That's when we read, and we therefore don't just simply read the words, but we learn about Moshe climbing that mountain. That's the time of the year we complete the Zoysa Brocha. And we begin learning Torah with a whole new perspective. Like Moshe Rabbeinu had a phenomenally different perspective, Sharanun. We also have something akin to that, something like that. But 
let's be honest, that doesn't really make 100% sense to us. Because what we've just suggested, which is once we get to Simchas Torah and we complete a cycle of learning Torah, then after that we begin to study Torah at a whole different level. That's not for everybody, let's be honest. That's not something that most people are going to experience. Surely that is reserved only for the great minds and the elite. So if Simchas Torah represents this shift to a whole new dimension of learning Torah, which is even somewhat like Moshe Rabbeinu getting the 50th dimension, how does it speak to us? To all Jews. That we should all celebrate on Simchas Torah. And we should all, like the Friedrich Rebbe said, say the Brocha Shechiona over Torah. How many of us are ever going to have that experience or anything close to it? And more than that, noch mehr. How do we celebrate Simchas Torah? Without class distinction. That every Jew, from the leaders, the great spiritual icons of Judaism, all the way down to the simple blue-collar workers, all celebrate Simchas Torah equally. Like we see, what are we doing on Simchas Torah? Everybody just dances in a circle without any uh, pedigree, without any, uh, you know, separation. Based on what we've just explained, that Simchas Torah is this day where we're offered the opportunity to now learn Torah in a completely different way, you would assume that different Jews would celebrate differently. Those are the great minds of Judaism who really are going to have that transformative learning experience should have been the most excited and happy and joyous and then it should have tapered down from there. And the question is even stronger, a very well-known question. If, as we've identified, the great joy of Simchas Torah and the Broch of Shechion and Simchas Torah is all related to this massive quantum leap in terms of Torah learning, surely the Simcha should have translated into something that has to do with a quantum leap in learning. We should have celebrated, logically, we should have celebrated Simchas Torah with major additions to Torah learning. We should have spent more hours learning Torah and a whole different depth of learning Torah. And then we should reach a point where we've got such an amazing experience of Torah learning that that stimulates our great joy. That's what you would have assumed would happen on Simchas Torah. What happens in practice? <laughs> Anything but. What happens in practice? What is the entire joy of Simchas Torah? Dancing without feet. Feet have nothing at all to do with understanding. How do we dance? We dance with a closed Torah wrapped up in a, in a cover. Forget about learning the Torah. You can't even see the words of the Torah. How does that add up? So the answer to that lies in the nature of the words of the Brocha Shechion, which a Brocha we say frequently but don't necessarily always stop to pay attention. Why are there three different expressions in Shechion? So 
Let's analyze the nature and the wording of this bracha that Hashem has kept us alive and has kept us in existence and has brought us to this day. We know that the words of our brachas, the formulae of our brachas, were established by the Anche Knesset Sagadola, the greatest of the greats, is moving to Goydel Hadik Shabbosesi, so you can understand how precise the words of every single bracha are. And therefore, therefore, we have to ask ourselves about this particular bracha is Aleph number one, why do we have three expressions? Shechayonu, Kimonu, and Higiyonu, which Essentially, all seem to be saying the same thing. Baruch Hashem, we've survived to be able to celebrate this occasion. And secondly, usually when you give gratitude for something, you give it an increasing measure. Thank you for this, and certainly for that. And certainly, right, you, you kind of increase how much bracha you've had in your life, because that illustrates how much gratitude you feel. Like Dayenu, you know, say, not only did you do this, you also did that. Surely the logic is that first you thank Hashem for smaller things and you thank Hashem for larger things. Now in this bracha it seems to be the other way around. When we say kimonu, what we mean is we're still here, we exist. And shechionu means that not only do we exist, but we are alive, we're vi- vibrant, we have vitality. Uh, going back to that same sicha we quoted before from the Fidikarebba, so surely the way the Bracha should have gone should have been that you have allowed us to exist, so we exist. Not only do we exist, not only do we exist, but we are alive, we're vibrant. Surely that's how it should have gone. Senor Keach state, the Balar Keach says something fascinating. As the Drei Leshena Shechion Vikimon Vikion, the fact that the three expressions in this bracha, Zainan Keneged, they correspond to Tinin, where it says, Hali Nafshi Hashem, my soul blesses Hashem, Ahalal Hashem Bechayai, I'll praise Hashem during my life, Azamal Kaibioidi, and I'll sing to Hashem as long as I exist. Right? So, Oidi is like Kimonu, Chayai is like Shechionu, and apparently, Halilinafshi would have to be like Higiyonu. That's what the Rukeach says. Habadas Gufu Fodat Bir, but doesn't really give us an explanation. In fact, it begs explanation. Voz, Zain, indeed, Rayinyonim. What exactly are these three things? Nafshi, Chayai, Oidi. Um, Vyazay, Zain, and Zaymerum is indeed Rayinyonim. And how do they dovetail with Shechiyonu, Vikimonim, Higiyonu? So the Bir in them, the beautiful explanation is this. The fact that a person should give gratitude to Hashem that they exist and that they're alive all the way to this occasion. So, you could ask a question about this gratitude that we're giving. Practical question about the nature of life. Is it fair to say that my life up until this point was such that I'm absolutely happy and thank God I lived through all of those things. It's quite possible that a person could have a large portion, maybe even the majority of their life, without pleasure and without nachas. You can pretty much assume that most people, when they look back at their lives, say, Shechionu, thank you for bringing me to this point. If they really were to analyze it, they would say there were many bumps along the way that I would have preferred not to have had in my life. 
And not only that, as some of the great philosophers, the Rambam and others, say that when you look at the human experience, if you had to tally up all the different phases of a person's life, it's very likely that the times of distress are probably more than the total of the good times. To the extent that the Gemara says, that sometimes it's better that a person was never created in the first place. On Afilu in Falven, by them mentioned, even if you have a unique scenario with a particular person, is just Nita Zebevadai, where he won't say, absolutely, I know for sure that the majority of my life was difficult. But still likely that he's not absolutely convinced the other way that my life was always good. So how do you say a bracha? Thank God for bringing me to such a wonderful time. Hang on a second. Surely there were points along the way where a person said, Hashem, what's going on over here? I don't appreciate what you're doing. The Rebbe is memakdim It's for that reason that the first word in the bracha is shechiyonu. Punk vidachais kipshuta hefech for meis. Let's say we were talking about the simple reality called life. For now, mention the human experience of life. Nobody will say they're more alive in their head than they are in their foot. Life means the entire body is alive, top to toe. And in an undertale net, because one part of the body is alive, the other part, not, unfortunately, not alive. So when we say the Brocha Shechionu, we have to be referring to the kind of life, which would be something that encompasses every part of the person, which is why the person can and is required to thank Hashem for the Brochas that they had. What kind of life would that be? So on Torah, it's not shaykh to zogan, as I mentioned, it's brave zmanai, azach chayim v'chayus, v'sum zogeman, ha'shevach v'hidot z'meibishan. If a person, chas v'shalom, lives without Torah in their life, then it's not possible that they could say shechiyonu. They can't say most of my life, or probably all of my life was good and connected to Hashem. Can't. Even in the scenario where a person has more good than bad days in their life, it's still possible that a person wouldn't necessarily feel alive every single day of their life. Because that's not the human experience. We have our ups, we have our downs. And unless a person has a unique definition of what life is, the definition that Torah gives, it's not possible that a person can say, my whole life till now was alive. From Torah al to Dabra, as we well know, Torah always speaks to the majority of situations. Truth is, the majority of a person's day are all distracted items. We sleep for X amount of hours. You can't say, oh, I live to sleep. We eat, yes, of course, people enjoy eating. But you can't say that that's what we live for. That's not the person's koch and tachlis v'chefetz. That's not the person's ultimate goal. The truth is the same applies to business. The business processes in and of themselves. The person doesn't love doing accounts or billing people or even sitting through a planning session. And those are all things that a person does with a relatively superficial 
drive. Because there's a goal that the person is interested in, which is that he should be able to be able to support his family, etc. So what do I love? Supporting my family. In other words, if you look at a person's life, there's so many things in our lives that are a means to an end, and you can't say, this is what I live for. But when a Jew has a meaningful connection to Torah, which is Torah the Torah of absolute life, which means that the person is motivated, that every part of their life is connected to and driven and informed by Torah. Well, then it's a whole different story. Then everything the person is engaged with, in thought, in speech, in action, all day long, will all then be filled and infused with the energizing life force of Torah. Because that's what I live for. So I don't just eat. I eat for a purpose. I don't just do business. I do business for a purpose. Even with, with and during the business experience, or something similar, I'm not just doing business. I'm doing what Abishta wants. The Abishta wants me to do business in a way that shows trust in Hashem and therefore follows a moral guideline. I'm doing that. And not only that, the person graduates to a point where everything that they're doing is directed to a purpose that is aligned with what Hashem wants. And then beyond that, to know Hashem within every step of every post process of every part of life. In that case, when the person comes to say at this particular time, the person can say, I want my whole life to be so alive with meaning, with connection, with Yiddishkeit, with Torah. What kind of chayos? The life that you get from connection to Hashem. That's why the person can say and must say shechionu. That's why it's the first word. What, to say, I, no, I didn't just survive to this point. I'm alive. I'm living. I have a connection to Hashem. Everything that I do in my life has meaning. That's shechionu. With that in mind, you'll ask, so what does Vikimono add to that? Vikimono means I exist. What do you mean? I've just said I'm alive in the truest sense of being alive. So now you're going to add to that. One step up is Kimono, I also exist. Doesn't seem to make sense. Surely that's like now a step down. I'm alive and firing on all pistons. Oh, and by the way, I also exist. So the Hezbrim, the explanation is, as we see echoed throughout the whole of Hasidus, if I'm just looking at a rating of life, of vitality, the Neshama does not have to occupy a body in order to have that experience. Adrab to the contrary. Malachim, for example, that are purely spiritual beings, are more alive than us. They don't need to sleep. They live much longer. They have greater strength and energy and passion. And it's much more revealed, the experience of life and spiritual life, than it is for us as Neshamas occupying bodies. The same thing, the Neshama, when it was in Shemayim before it came into this body, certainly had this absolutely incredible experience. They have incredible connection to Hashem. Well, that's what a Neshama has, incredible dedication connection to Hashem. Which obviously, therefore, produces in the Neshama, in Shamayim, a far greater Chayos than here on earth. 
That's where the big chap of being a human with an neshama in a body comes into play. Because what do we say? Not only not only do we have chayus like other spiritual beings, but our chayus and our vitality and connection to Hashem kimonu translates into our physical experience. That means even in the reality of existence, which is the physical state. If you're absolutely brutally honest in the assessment of the physical experience, the physical experience is just existence, not life. It's not natural for the physical experience to express spiritual life. And that's our Chiddush. in the Kimonu. We inject into the physical experience, which is fundamentally just existence, the concept of life, real life. The life of Torah. And therefore we don't say Shechiyonu only, oh my Neshama is alive and on fire, but Shechiyonu Vekimonu, even my body is alive as well. So now you've got to ask yourself, okay, so what does Vigiyonu come to add to this? So here again, the Frida Kerber gives us a beautiful insight. The same Sicha from Tav Shen Hei says that Higionu has another meaning as well. That the Ebershah gave us Yegi'ah. Higionu from the word Yegi'ah. He gave us toil. We're actually grateful to Hashem that He made us work. Now, it's neat movement. One second. That doesn't seem to make sense. What's so great about the fact that David made us work, that he made us toil, that he made things, so to speak, difficult for us. And that actually sounds like a liability rather than something to be grateful for. Let's say that there's some concept, even if it's a very lofty concept, is it has any association with difficulty and certainly with pain, that would disqualify it from being something you say Shechion over. And he has a clear illustration. Right, look at a bris. One of the reasons why we don't say Shechion when we do a bris. In spite of the fact that it's such an incredible mitzvah, when Azach was the Gemara in Shabbos tells us that something that Jewish people welcome joyously. We don't say Shechionu why Valsi's friend because the child will have pain. That tells you that if there's a difficult thing that we go through, we don't say Shechionu for it. So if Higionu means that a Debishta made us sweat and, and toil, why would that be part of the great celebratory gratitude broch of Shechionu? Is that boring? Then the answer is actually hard work is not a bad thing, it's not pain. Let's say somebody gives us something as a gift with no investment on our part. It's called the so-called bread of shame. And that's why receiving a gift does not elicit the same kind of joy as achievement does. It's actually a little bit embarrassing to receive a gift. Did I deserve it? Why are you being so nice to me? feels uncomfortable. But when a person reaches and attains something through their own sweat equity, that's far more valuable. And that elicits real, genuine, deep, meaningful simcha. 
similar to what the Gemara tells us, that a person would prefer a far smaller portion of their own product than nine times as much of somebody else's gift. So that's relevant in our conversation. When can we say, oh, I'm so grateful, I'm so joyous over the fact that I can thank Hashem that I made it to this point. To show that gratitude to Hashem. That's when the vitality, not just spiritually, but even in my physical experience, something that I achieved, something I worked on, something I toiled at. Whereas if the same achievement would have been reached without personal investment, then we'll felt in then the person wouldn't be able to celebrate it fully. The person wouldn't be able to give true gratitude to Hashem. So therefore, the last or the third phrase in the in the the bracha, which is Yegiyah, that the forced us to have to work to achieve this chayos of the neshama in the experience of the body, that my whole life is connected to something meaningful and alive. That's not just a requirement in order to be able to say Shechiyonu. That's the cause of the simcha why I'm saying Shechiyonu. And that's why the person shows so much gratitude. Thank you, Hashem, for making me work to earn my keep. Because that's actually what generates the real simcha. With that in mind, we can now go back to what the Rekeach said about how Sheikh Yonu has three f- phrases to correspond to them. That there's a link between the three phrases of Shech Yonu and the three Psukim in Tilim. The first is that I praise Hashem within my life. That's very easy to see. My real life, my real vitality relates to the word Shechionu. The fact that my neshama is the cause of my life, not just the good days I happen to have during the course of X amount of years. The second part that says I'll sing to Hashem from my oid. Is kimono. That relates to the, the principle of kimono, which is just simply to exist. For in oidi means the gufos is not oidi adava tofel, as the Altareb explains, that oidi means that which is oid, the addendum, the appendage, the secondary. The most important thing is the neshama, that's the ikar, and this is the oid. Yeah, you also have a body. So the body is what exists rather than what lives. And then hali nafshes Hashem, when we say that our soul praises Hashem, is that alludes to the fact that we've really invested effort and energy in our own spiritual growth. Because in order for a person to really work with Yegir, with toil, a person actually has to invest even their, their own nefesh, their own soul in that experience. Now that we know what Shech is all about, that it's about real life, and it's about us achieving that chayus of real life, and not just simply receiving it as a gift, we can then understand why Simchas Torah is the day that we say Shechionu on the Torah. After the Jews have read and studied Torah through the course of an entire year, all men is their game of Simchas Torah now concluded on Simchas Torah. 
That generates a whole new insight, a whole new energy, a whole new light from the infinite light of Torah that we make. It's like a chayos <coughs> that's injected into Torah through our efforts. Therefore, when we now start to learn Torah again for the new cycle, it's like we're learning a brand new elevated version of Torah. On the river, that's why everybody celebrates. And we say this and then we take those three different elements, and each person experiences it in their personal way. Bye bye later on Yoshva Oihel. When you're talking about those people who are completely invested in Torah learning all the time. Their primary experience on Simchas Torah is that now they will have a whole new learning and understanding of Torah, which is similar to the Sharanun or to Rabbi Zeria's transformation to learn Talmud Yerushalmi. Whole new experience of Torah is about to launch for them. And therefore they say, Shechionu, that's the part they resonate with. And that's where they're going to invest their Yegiyah in the learning and understanding of Torah. And naturally that will obviously have an impact on their, their effect on the world and, and their personal avoid in other areas of life, etc. So their shechiyonu will lead to higiyonu, which will have an effect on kimonu. We are a spiritual shift that generates a whole new energy and effort that will actually have an effect on the world as well. The kimono part is not their focus. That's not where they, it's like a natural spillover because they're so involved in Shechionu, in the spiritual development and the Torah learning that will also have an effect on the world around them. Whereas when you talk about people who are not the great scholars and their primary way of serving Hashem is through doing Maisim Tovim and they're engaged obviously in the business world according to the, to the uh, parameters of Torah. These are people who may not get a whole brand new insight and quantum leap experience of Torah learning because it's Simchas Torah. But the fact is that there's a new energy and light within Torah. It will also have an impact on them represented by the Brocha. It will be relative to their spiritual status. What it will mean to them is they'll have a new energy and enthusiasm for Torah and a new energy and enthusiasm for living their life according to the Torah. So their primary area of focus and where they'll really see the shift is in the kimonu reality, the effect on what happens in this world. And they'll also have their personal investment. So that what's going to happen is they will be motivated to be even more uh, enthusiastic about living a life according to Torah, conducting business according to Torah, eating according to Torah, and anything else associated with a physical experience. And they'll also have a new push and a new impetus to pull themselves away from the gashmis of this world more frequently and more uh, uh, consistently to be able to learn Torah. 
And finally, we'll relink the Brocha of Shechionu and its association with Simchas Torah to the parasha that we read, which is Vezaisa Brocha. If Torah ultimately is all about intellect, how do we imagine that Torah is going to have an impact on the other areas like the Bale Eisek? How's it going to affect their business? How's it going to affect the way that we conduct ourselves in the physical realm if it's primarily Seichel? Then So our parasha gives the answer to that. Our parasha meaning, As Torah is miminoi eishdos lomoi. That Torah is this fiery uh, teaching that David gave with his right hand. Shaitin Sifri. So the Sifri comments on this. Just like fire, anything that is involved with fire, a frying pan, an oven, whatever it is, is affected by the fire. So anybody who is who engages with fire in their business world or in their job, you can tell they have blackened hands or whatever the case is. Likewise, people who engage with Torah, Torah scholars, you can tell the way they walk, the way they dress, the way they hold themselves, the way they speak, everything about them is unique. As the Rambam goes into quite a bit of detail in Hilchas Deos, where he says you can, you can distinguish a Talmud Chacham. So in other words, by virtue of the fact that a person learns Torah, it will naturally have an effect on the world as well, on the world that the person lives in. Now you could ask the question the other way around. Okay, great. So a person is a Talmud Chochem. Who now on Simchas Torah are going to dedicate themselves to learn Torah in a brand new, whole different way. So obviously it's going to have an effect on their whole life and everything that they do. But what about Jews who are not Talmud Chochemim? Okay, so Simchas Torah shifts the whole Torah. How does it affect them? How does it talk to them? How does it affect their experience of life? Why would they celebrate with such fervor and passion? Why would they say Shechionu? If then come the Azbar in the Parsha, the Parsha addresses that too. Torah Tzivalon Moshe Meirosh Ogaimer. Torah was given to us by Moshe as an inheritance. Torah is a Yerusha Tzied in Eden. It's the inheritance of every single Jew. Was the Din by Yerusha is, as we well know, the Halacha about inheritance is as sees Nit Neger de Gil Maimedumatzu from the Yerush. The heir's age or status is irrelevant, and therefore Torah is thus. Simchas Torah, therefore, the day of us receiving the Torah, a fresh, a new, a whole new dimension of Torah, affects every single Jewish person because we're all the heirs, whether we know it, not, whether we understand it or not. On the river of Shasas, Kumtai, Schajas, Vatos, Vesoba Torah, so if there's a new energy and vitality within Torah, which happens with Simchas Torah, Kumtai, Bayed, Nidna, Schajas, and Esophins, and Hogg of Chais, Alpi Torah, that impacts every single Jew at whatever level of engagement with Torah or the guidance of Torah in their lives they happen to be at. On the Pharisee, Kavas, Simchas, Simchas Torah, Dafka, Bakofas, and that explains why the primary way we express our Simchas and Simchas Torah is by dancing. And specifically, dancing in a circle, not by not through reading or learning Torah, but rather actions, physical actions. Holding on to the Torah, 
because the primary joy of Simchas Torah is not just and not even primarily about the understanding within Torah. We're celebrating the fact that the Torah brings us to life, all of us, regardless of where we are. In and it affects every part of our lives all the way down into the world of action as we illustrate by dancing which is the world of action Torah permeates every part of our life